With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Program. Always great to have so many calls and texts coming through. I really appreciate those who've picked up the phone and dialed the number today. Always great to have Brett Phillips pick up his phone and answer our call because it's getting down to the pointy end now. Women's semi-finals night tonight, men's semi-finals night tomorrow night at the Australian Open and the man whose voice has held up, which is good news for all, is on the line. Welcome to you, Brett. Great to have you back on. No, thank you, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, getting towards the, uh, the business end where sorting out um, the pretenders and the contenders. And uh, it's a fascinating yeah, run home. I mean, you'd have to say, you know, certainly on the men's side, it appears to be uh, one conversation. On the women's, much different. You know, there's some different scenarios to play out to determine who will lift um, the uh, Daphne Akers trophy on Saturday night. Yeah, so it's been a really surprising women's open and we might get uh, a result that, Look, if it's Azarenka, it's going to be a story of its own. If it's one of the young guns coming through, is this the start of something big? Um, Sabalenka's been there for a while, and I know you've talked about it for a couple of weeks now, but uh, even the change and the improvement in, in some of the players that have been able to play a different brand of tennis this year has been something yeah. that's been talked about a bit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I think if, if I was sitting here right now, I mean, I think a, sort of an Azarenka-Sabalenka final would be really juicy. I mean, they're both from the same country, you know, it was uh, Azarenka who put her country on the map as a young girl, winning a couple of majors, getting to world number one, really a, uh, a pioneer in, in a lot of ways. And then as Vika was ageing and, you know, not right at the pointy end, she'd slipped back a bit. In came the steam train that was uh, Arena Sabalenka, who was sort of the uh, the replica of uh, Azarenka in a way. Feisty, outwardly emotional, loud on court. And uh, it'd be great if those two could, you know, possibly match up. They haven't really played a lot of... Uh, Fed Cup or Billie Jean King Cup uh, tennis for their country together. I, I don't know the exact rapport between them, but I reckon that'd be a sensational final if it did get to that case. Now, I think Sabalenka, I, you know, the way she's played in this tournament has been just simply superb. And it started in Adelaide, so she's on a great winning streak. Uh, the serve has been sorted off the ground, really damaging. Uh, she can be volatile, but uh, she's you know, keeping her emotions in check a lot better. And and Azarenka, this will be the interesting thing tonight because against Pagula in the quarterfinal, um, and Pagula hasn't got you know necessarily the biggest serve in women's tennis. It's got it to world number three, but she was able to return really well. But against Rybakina tonight, she's got a lethal serve. So whether Vika's going to have a good look and get into the return games, we'll have to wait and see. But gee, I, I back her experience as well, just being on that you know big stage many, many times. She loves Melbourne Park. Now she's won... You know, the most matches there of any of the players left. I think it's up to 46 now, and she's going to take some beating. So that would be the fairy tale of someone in their 30s who we probably had written off uh, winning another major, getting through. But it, I think uh, for me, Sabalenka would be a great story as well because she's been yeah, knocking on the door for a little while. 
So the draw not out for the men's semis tomorrow night and tomorrow afternoon. Stefano Sissipas and Karen Kachanov and Novak Djokovic facing Tommy Paul. I presume the, the Sissipas-Kachanov match has the, the possibility of being tighter, but I presume they're going to put Novak on the night match. Yeah, because Novak played last night, it's all about you know recovery time to the next. Okay. So yeah, whoever plays sort of the the, the uh, Tuesday night um, quarterfinal will play uh, Friday, so they effectively get an extra day. Uh, they'll play Friday during the day, so that, that's where they've changed the schedule. The AO now, rather than having one men's semi, which used to be Thursday Friday night, mm. two women's into Thursday night, it's that same as the US Open in that prime time, and then. Yeah, the men's first semi will be uh, 2.30 on Friday. So it'll be Sitsipas Hutchinov. And then, yeah, obviously Djokovic under the lights on uh, on Friday night. So which does have the ability to provide a... Well, I won't ask you that question because Novak won't lose. But uh, does, has Kachinov got a chance of upsetting Sitsipas? And do most people, do you think, around you want a Sitsipas Djokovic final? Oh, no doubt. I think we all think that, you know, Steph is the best equipped to have a crack at Novak, at least, on uh, on Sunday. It does get to that date. Look, he's got a 5-0 and head-to-head with Hutchinov, and he's played some, you know, terrific tennis. He sort of um, brought himself back into the conversation of majors, you know, back-to-back semifinals after making the last four in New York uh, last year. And he's sort of been forgotten about a little bit, but he's, he's brought his power game. He seems really content out on court. He's... Yeah, he's difficult to deal with when you're when you're serving the way he is. But uh, Pass is such a the di- dynamic all court player that I just think there's there's just too much there for Hutchinov to to deal with. But who knows? Uh, Hutchinov's been waiting for this breakthrough to get through to a, a final. Steph's made one at the French uh, three years ago when he led Novak, of course, two sets to love and had his best chance. But I've loved Pass's brand of tennis in this tournament. Uh, he, uh, he looks on a mission uh, to me and I'd love to know the exact influence of Mark Philippoussis uh, because he's been a big part of the Pass camp in the last few months alongside his father who you know, <laughs> struggles to sit still, Apostolos. He's up and uh, and you can coach, of course, when the player's at that end and they've got a, you know, it's a, probably a typical father-son relationship. There's the highs and lows in professional sport. Uh, but Philippoussis brings that calmness and, you know, he brings that you know, big big time uh, performer who's been to a couple of Grand Slam finals just to, you know, just to add a bit of icing there in terms of the prep and um, and how to handle these big occasions. So yeah, I think Sitsi Pass would give Djokovic a contest, but the way Novak's playing like right now, I mean, it's just sort of you know daylight really. How would the crowd support split be if it was Sitsi Pass Djokovic? Do you think in the final? Yeah, I think it'd be half-half. I mean, the Serbians are there in big numbers. I walked out of Rod Laver last night, and they were all on the steps of Margaret Court and. Uh, chanting away and singing and they'll make some noise and, and the Greek support for Pass has been um, phenomenal uh, which has always been the case across uh, the years when a, a Greek player has a good run here uh, and obviously he and Sakari are top 10 players um, it'll be in the top 10 for some time so it would be an electric atmosphere there's no doubt, good luck to the chair umpire uh, whoever's doing Sunday night if that's the case And uh, you mentioned with the different countries that don't they all live in Florida these days? The Sabalenka, well, she lives in Florida. Azarenka lives in Florida, Miami and Boca Raton. Most, do they all, is that the congregation point for a lot of the world's best these days? Yeah, it's always been a, a strong um, tennis contingent there. Miami, uh, other parts of Florida. 
Uh, a lot of players go there as their base or their, they do training blocks because, and I know Andy Murray famously used to go there prior to the Australian Open because uh, you raise a good sweat in that part of the world and it gets you prepared for the uh, the Aussie summer. So that's sort of one area. And then, you know, obviously a lot of the players in Europe, um, you know, have a, a residence in, in Monte Carlo. They have to pay any tax, Edwin, and a beautiful haven there. And they can, uh, they can train and obviously have the downtime when the tour uh does allow, and I think certainly the Bahamas is certainly still a popular place oh. as well. Where I don't think you have to pay much tax over there. So uh, Leighton Hewitt, I think, still got a house in the the Bahamas. I think Nick Kyrgios might have a little pad over there as well. Oh, it's a beautiful world they live in. Hey, BP, well done to you. You've done a great job. I appreciate you jumping on the phone, and uh, have a good night tonight. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, Wayne. Brett Phillips, the voice of tennis on SEN and at the Australian Open. You'll be hearing him big time if you're at the Australian Open this afternoon, uh, talking to you through Garden Square. Yeah, women's semifinals night tonight, men's semifinals day night tomorrow night. Take a break. Back with more on Dwayne's Well.